0: Welcome one and all to another Bake Off Shake Off where I like to debrief, talk some absolute smack and just generally recap and express lots of love for our favourite comfortable cosy baking show, The Great British Bake Off. It is the semi-final. That's right, the semi-final, I'm just as surprised as you are. It feels like it's really crept up on us. There's only four of them left. It's like they're rattling around in a cage up there in that giant tent. Um, But thank God Matt and Noel have got some gigantic, let's be honest, overzealous personalities to fill out that tent where there's only four finalists left. And of course, not forgetting Prue and Paul, who... I mean, what do they do these days? They're not coming up with these challenges, They are judging to be absolutely fair but I'm not convinced. This week in personal baking adventures I have started my Christmas pudding. I so I use a nigella recipe and nigella requires a really really specific type of sherry which is only sold in M&S and it's one of those funny things where in her book she doesn't write only really sold in M&S and specific you know corner shops or whatever like wherever you can find this sherry but she doesn't so she doesn't specify it in the book but everyone knows it's an ms sherry so it's 12 pounds and my eyes water just thinking about spending that amount of money on something which is swilling around in some fruit in dried fruit like it hurts me to, to do that um couldn't find any and you cannot find hide nor hair of this sherry it is that I go in the shelves are completely bare completely empty so I'm absolutely scratching my brain I'm like what can I do can I just use brandy no I I Nigella specifically says in her book she's like you've got to get this specific sherry because the reason why people don't like um she basically attributes all everyone who hates Christmas pudding is because they're not using the sherry the pressure is too is too much and it's really on me because I don't like traditional Christmas pudding, but I do like this Christmas pudding that she does. So I've got to get this sherry. Long story, really too long. We've got like some dregs in the back of the cupboard from last year. And I'm able to, dare I say it, salvage Christmas with these dregs of this sherry. So yeah, it's sold out for a reason because I think it is the key ingredient to how Nigella makes such a successful Christmas pudding. I was able to find some droplets to swill around the dried fruit, and to be honest with you, the bouginess is not lost on me. I realise, I realise it's quite a luxurious position to be in, but um, it's Christmas, and we've absolutely got to treat ourselves this year, if not any other year. So no real disasters this week, but definitely getting kickstarted on that Christmas vibe. It smelled so good. It was just lovely to kind of be. You know inhaling all of those christmassy fumes it was really great um although you have to steam it for five hours which is an annoying thing to do because you can't leave because it's on the hob it's not like having something low and slow in the oven it's like it's on the hob you've got to make sure that the you know water doesn't boil off it was it's a lot it's a lot to think about it's not a lot to do but it's a lot on your mind it feels like a lot of pressure especially because nigella calls it the ultimate christmas pudding on a tangent there but I would like to see Nigella on this show she's on MasterChef she's on Master Chef Australia she has never come on this show why is that has she gotten a aversion? is it because she's a BBC girl and now we're on Channel 4 the age-old debate Channel 4 versus BBC Channel 4 versus BBC <laughs> would love to see Nigella alas we're in the semi-final it is patisserie week which is such a good week some of my favorite episodes have been on patisserie because it's such a challenge like it's so finite detail it's so about appearance it's really really about you know the focus and the timings and it's always such a true test so it's super super exciting however I will start talking talking smack on uh Or Noel and Matt already? Because they write this song and they're singing a song about patisserie. I'm just thinking that's not going to make the charts, guys. You're not doing well with that. I don't know. You're not getting Christmas number one with your patisserie song. Um, I will go off on Matt and Noel today. I'm just warning because it really did take the cake. And I think I said this last week, but no, it really did take the cake. No pun intended this week. It was truly like I'm wasting my time watching these two... I'll just say it, washed up comedians trying to make it back on TV and back on the scene. I wasn't that impressed. We see in the preview of like what's coming up on the episode, just like Laura's chocolate all over the floor. Like they know that that is TV gold, her just pouring chocolate from the bowl, trying to salvage something in Laura's chaotic style, which we love and adore. Um, Yeah, all over the floor from the tray. It's absolutely classic. Forgot to mention, so we, I didn't watch the show until quite late in the week so I did see a lot of the news with regards to the bullying um, kind of scandal and like trolling that had been going on with, um, so I therefore saw a spoiler, I know I spoke recently about kind of avoiding spoilers and unfollowing people on Twitter and stuff like that but just the coverage with regards to the bullying was insane and so I knew who had left so I did watch this show with I'd say maybe a bit of a critical eye on you know Laura and Mean um you know I was looking for hints to it and kind of why viewers would be so angry I mean there's no excuse for any viewer to be angry and bully or troll anyone online for god's sake but I definitely was looking for Okay, what exactly are people seeing um, that that would maybe give them reason to think that there was some kind of favouritism involved? So I did keep an eye out for that. Peter tells us that patisserie is perfection. So we know he's feeling absolutely confident and I'm not surprised because he loves that kind of finesse that you know, really finished product. So I'm looking forward to seeing what Peter's going to do. As they're introducing the challenge, the signature challenge, Paul's got these ripped jeans and I'm I'm not ageist. I think anyone should wear whatever makes them feel good. You know, whatever makes them feel confident. Paul's clearly got a style in the, you know, we've seen it. We've seen the rolled up shirt sleeves and we've seen the denim jeans and the stance. Like it all goes well together. It's his brand. I get it. But the ripped jeans... On a man, I'm going to say over forty. I mean, I know he's over forty, but in general, men over forty, I don't think it's a good look. I don't think it is a good look. And then next to him, Prue's got a necklace that looks like that game that you've got at the doctors. You know where it's like um, wire, thick rubber coated wire, and like beads, and the children have to um, you know, move the beads along. I think that Prue's got a necklace that looks like that. Looks like a child can chew on it. It's absolutely... I don't know who's styling these two, but sack them. Sack them and get someone new. Ripped jeans over 40. I don't think it's a look, guys. Noel can barely say pato Savarin. Like me, I'm not. I'm not pulling any punches. You know, I'm under no illusion that I'm an expert. But he is a presenter on a baking show, so I would expect him to know how to say what they're making. Um, And then Paul, like, compounds the issue with like Paul just explaining what a rum bar bar is um I mean he barely knows what's going on he barely knows what a pato savara is neither do we no one really knows what's happening but he feels the need to kind of really specifically explain what a rum bar bar is so I appreciated that using pato savara which is a yeasted enriched dough your savara we're in yet another heat wave, and they keep reminding us of the heat, which all we're going to hear about is the heat for the whole episode. God, if it gets as bad as when we had those damp rags around people's necks, it just, that'll be a day, won't it? They're really hamming up the talent and Prue says, "Um, oh, these four are as, as good as we've ever had. And I'm like, Prue, you've not been around for long enough to know who's as good as you ever had. I'm really sorry about it. But Top Top Talent was back in BBC days. And I don't think that you could possibly know that these are the best you've ever had, that these are the top four contestants that have ever been on the bake of, because with respect, you haven't been around for the whole 10 years, 10 years, insane um they're really having up the talent they're really kind of talking about how her mean is so talented obviously it's patisserie week she um is french or has lived in france for some years so they're really like putting a lot of emphasis on her talent and it's foreshadowing they're definitely setting her up for a bit of drama and a bit of failure um unfortunately i see laura's foundation line has not improved from last week i hate to say it i'm sorry to say it but someone has got to tell the girl that the blending is ineffective. The foundation has got a clear line from the chin to the neck. And I just think who's looking out for Laura and who's looking out for Laura's makeup? Someone's got to do it. A couple of years ago, we had Candice wearing a different lipstick colour every single week. So someone is paying attention to the makeup. Just not in Laura's case. Poor Laura. I really do feel for her. I noticed this episode that um, Paul does not give great advice he does he does a lot of non-advice advice which I found quite funny but didn't appreciate and probably wouldn't appreciate if I was in that receptive position um I think he says something to Laura and the the presenters say don't let him get in your head and I'm like there's no getting in the head to be got he's just repeated exactly what she's just said um just frustrating like Paul come on give some give some actual good advice I think it's a fairly standard saffron dough. I've got fresh yeast in there because I think it gives a nicer rise. Really? Why do you think fresh yeast is better? Because uh, it gives it a better rise. Amina's blatantly using Kraken rum, which is branded, and obviously they can't have that. And I'm just thinking, she is—is she made money? We only really treat ourselves to Kraken at Christmas. That is an expensive rum. She's really treating herself, and she's treating her barbers with respect. I think it's so on brand for Peter to have a sober barber. That is just so Peter, isn't it? It's like no, not even a single drop of alcohol. He says he prefers the flavor of non-alcoholic anyway. It's so wholesome. It's so Peter. It's so absolutely him. Um, and it works out well. So I'm really really pleased. In the second edition of Paul giving not great advice, he just he basically just tells Peter, to, I'll just do better. He says I'll just do just do a little bit better. Paul, thank you so much. Paul, oh my God, just do better oh god thank god you're here thank god you're here to tell me to just do better (laughs) matt is telling us all about pingu he has this like pingu bit which i thought was really unusual and when ermine says i've actually never watched pingu i think he can matt just continues the joke i told you i was going to talk a lot of smack about him today but matt just continues the joke he keeps going there's no relevance ermine has not seen pingu and you're still continuing to do like an impression of pingu and talk about pingu drop the joke let them cut it in post edit let them cut it in post production let it be on the cutting room floor you tried to make a joke about pingu it didn't quite land. it's got to continue why that's not funny ermine of course has to start from the beginning and i just think has anyone ever done well from starting from the beginning i don't think they have I've been watching Bake Off a long time and I don't think anyone who's gone, I'm going to start from the beginning, guys. I don't think that's ever gone well, especially when it comes to things that need proving and things like that. just It makes me think as well, is there too much time? If she's not tight enough on time to think, no, I do not have the capacity in this time frame to make the dough, prove the dough, cook the dough, soak the dough. Um, yeah, I don't understand does she have too much time? The sponges are getting absolutely soaked and I just think don't they just get soggy? Is that not just sogginess? It doesn't look appetizing if they're just getting soaked in liquid. I mean obviously they turn out nice, but it just doesn't look appealing. I am proved wrong by the time it's judging time they all look so 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 good. So no soggy problems here. Um obviously it joins in with the flavour however Laura I don't want a pipette in my food I don't want a pipette I don't care if it's full of gorgeous soaking liquid or beautiful beautiful flavours I don't necessarily want a plastic pipette in my food in my bar or whatever you're making and you know who wouldn't have gone for that is Mary alas we've lost Mary and her wholesome ways and we've just got people being okay with plastic pipettes in the food. I don't know, doesn't work for me. Ermines look straight out of a French cafe despite the time crunch. So fair play to her for pushing through. Very, very impressive. I absolutely would um eat them. But Prue takes a little like finger lick of cream as she leaves. And here here it is, guys. I've got my head in corona times, I've got my head in the pandemic as did these guys. They were in the middle of the pandemic, so why Prue thinks it's appropriate to be kind of putting her fingers in, in food is absolutely beyond me. Wash hands. I totally see where Paul's coming from when he's talking to Laura about the, the different sizes of the barbers. Um, yeah, it was all a bit bit up and down. Although he says she's like a rough diamond, and that was the first kind of oh is that you know favourite feedback is that a bit of favouritism there you know I've got my ears pricked because of this you know bullying and favouritism accusations so I'm listening out for those kinds of things don't know if I would have noticed it earlier but yeah it says she's like a rough diamond and I think what does that mean we're in the semi-final guys we should have have our diamonds smoothed out by now surely cracking feedback for Dave really lovely to see just don't we love nervous Dave he just gets so anxious, he looks so nervous, he looks like he's about to fall over. And then he just gets some fantastic feedback and his whole face just breaks into this wonderful smile. Like, we love Dave, he's fantastic. Peter's look the most professional, it's handshakes are go-go. Um, but then the clap is too much, Matt starts clapping. It's a little bit too much, isn't it? On to the technical. Weird babyish humour from Matt, like his whining again come on Matt not funny just I think there's just so many moments in this episode where I'm looking at the television and I'm looking at my other half and I'm going do we laugh now you know are we laughing at this man in his 40s dare I say it 50s making a whining noise like about the technical just incredibly incredibly confusing obviously no one has heard of a Danish cornucopia but of course and we're just going to pretend like we maybe have um the demo at the debrief, you know, when they're sitting down and talking about it and Paul's pretending to know exactly what he's talking about and if he's ever heard of it before, it looks like a worm, doesn't it? It looks like some sort of Amazonian creature that you might snack on if you were absolutely desolate and in the wild. It doesn't look good to me. It's like a worm in bread form. I'm not really sure. Um, Obvious kind of double entendre about Paul offering his horn. It, guys, it's a family show. Come on. It used to be that the Dublon was very like, Paul, offer his horn. And you'd kind of go, you'd you'd, br- you'd brush past it. And then obviously the kids don't really notice, but the adults do and you can laugh or whatever. They're kind of like, I'm going to offer you my horn now. And <laughs> zoom in on his face. It's like, it's not really Dublon Tondra. It's just it's a bit, smut, bit more smutty. I'm thinking of the kids. combination of pandemic fears and, um, you know, Noel being weird is just no. Just comes up from Peter and just hugs him from behind. There's two things. A, it's a pandemic. Yes, I know that we're all they're all in a bubble and they've all you know quarantined together and it's effectively as if they're in a family unit. Like I get it, I get it, I get it. But even if we weren't in the middle of a pandemic, can we just prioritize some personal space? I would never just go and hug someone. It's from behind or from front ways or any kind of direction. Randomly, it's like maybe Peter has got you know, he needs his 18 inches of personal space. Are we respecting that? No, I don't think we are. Is not respecting personal space funny? I don't think it is. Come on, this is like literally no out there. Like, I don't have a logical brain, I can't do this. Fed up, not even wanting to try, Laura is all of us, and you could tell that she did not want to try, didn't you? You could see she like saw that layout saw the planning saw what needed to go into it and just was like she did not even want to try i can just imagine behind the scenes you know the producers going no laura you you have to do it i'm really sorry you at least you at least have to like turn something out we at least have to get some shots of you like being stressed you know i definitely i got the vibe it was an almost walkout situation um, just because it was so early for her to be crying, you know, so early on in the challenge for her to be, like, tearing up, it was just, it was just insane, Peter obviously worked it out first in terms of the shape, very, very on brand for, for, um, Peter, Laura's crying, as I said, she's, you know, I, I feel like she's really on the edge, um, and there is some genuine rare encouragement from Matt, like, it's, it's heartfelt, and he genuinely wants her to, kind of carry on so I was, like, I was like okay maybe a reprieve for Matt maybe it's going okay and then they follow it up with as he's walking away Laura going oh just love him and I was like is that in his contracts that you've got to include these little you know sound bites of people appreciating the presenters like that would never that would never have happened before they just give encouragement it's just genuine it's just normal come on they look like onion rings these um yeah these pieces of bread or whatever they are they look like little onion rings they look delicious but not in the same category of deliciousness as an onion a bread should be they look delicious like a beautiful fried food not like a nice baked biscuit Noel tries to sorry Matt tries to speak some French and he does it unsuccessfully and it's the joke or whatever but it reminds me of when um Sue when it was Mel and Sue used to go and do like those history visits and there was a couple where she would go to France and just speak French and I'd just be so incredibly impressed that like this presenter knows French and can just speak French for the job it was just incredibly impressive to me and then (laughs) then by comparison one of the many contrasts and comparisons between the uh, presenters um, is him just Matt just trying to speak unsuccessful French I thought it was a lovely you know, then and now, how it started, how it's going. Dave's trying to make the caramel to kind of glue it all together. And he goes, oh, caramel never, ever goes right for me. Um, I just, I've got such bad luck with caramel. And I'm racking my brain. I'm thinking, have you ever tried to make one on this show before, Dave? I don't know. I just, I was like, I feel like this is the first time, <laughs> the first time I've seen you do it. Um, and then he proceeds to make an incredibly pale, sad looking caramel. So just, Dave, come on. He says it's not going right for him and it doesn't end up right for him poor guy, ermine's got the cornucopia shaped down, I would expect no different, Dave's got, Dave's the only one in the tent that's got that air spray, like that pressurised, you know, air spray that makes things cool down super, super quick, and I always wonder about, again, hygiene with those kinds of things, I mean, I'm sure it's fine, It, it is just air, but he's spraying it all over this, like, cornucopia, and I'm just, I don't necessarily, I don't know, maybe I'm overreacting, but I don't necessarily want to eat something that's been sprayed with loads of um completely fine air I'm definitely overreacting again it's not necessarily you know judging it's not necessarily a duple entendre it's just like a blatant kind of penis joke so a little bit obtuse for me come on can we have our penis jokes a bit more subtle can we have our penis jokes a little bit more you know under the I'm not even going to finish that sentence Paul says Laura's is a bit of a mess, which is just a huge understatement. Again, bit of a, not red flag, but a bit of awareness there in terms of the accused favouritism. Um, yeah, like, it was a bit of a mess. It's, a, it's not even put together, Paul. Can we call it what it is? It is not even put together. She comes last and I'm like, she's so far last. It's not even as if it's like, oh, she's fourth and then someone else is fifth. It's like, she's eighth and then someone else is third. Like, that's honestly the way that I would have categorised it. Harsh, but my opinion. Timings were an interesting thing on this challenge. I mean, I imagine they all lost 30 minutes because of having to read the recipe about 18 times and having to measure, measure, and measure again. Like, they must have lost a good amount of time by just not, (laughs) not understanding, even remotely, what they were supposed to be doing. Which you could say for any technical, actually. We're on to the showstopper. Um... And we kick off with Noel talking about people getting extra points for if the supports for the cake are edible. And, you know, my ears prick because I think we don't work on a point system. As far we Paul and Prue are not transparent about how they grade things, it's very much a case of if it tastes good, fantastic. If it looks good, sh amazing. If it looks bad, tastes good. You know, they kind of outweigh each other. And if it's technical, technically challenging, then you kind of get, you know, more kudos. We've never worked on a points system. So when Noel starts talking about, you know, extra points for edible supports, I'm just thinking what, I don't think that's right. I think it's extra credit or extra kudos or, you know, extra um, admiration. I guess, or maybe you could phrase it as it will be taken into account if you use edible supports as opposed to um, un- inedible. But I just think the phrase points kind of got my back up a little bit. I mean, I'm probably splitting hairs here, but I can understand why that's a little bit confusing. Ermine um, tells us everything is new. She's never practiced it. And alarm bells are ringing. We're worried. We're concerned. Everyone. Is incredibly concerned. I'm incredibly confused at all the different types of sponge. And I've been watching the show, as I said, a long time. So I should know like what a Genoise is and what a all of the other things. Can't even remember because it's just so out of my remit. But there's so many different types of sponge, it feels very, very confusing. I don't know how these judges keep up with it. I love the idea of Dave doing a liquid caramel surprise in the centre of each of his cakes. So they're doing a cube cake with multiple, multiple different ones. And at first I thought they had to do, when they said cube cake, I thought they were going to do a checkered cake. So, you know, where you just cut out um, different kind of sizes of cake and then put them all together and it makes like a checkerboard effect. But no, it's individual pieces of square cake, which have to be individually kind of decorated. And yeah, Dave putting a liquid caramel surprise in the middle of every single square. You can absolutely sign me up Paul's back at it again with the dreadful advice and he says make sure you do stuff before the heat starts rising in this tent and we thank Paul for his contribution. Paul, thank God you're here again. He just says it so as if he's really giving them some golden, golden advice. He's going make sure you do this before, no accent from me this time, make sure you do this before the heat starts rising in the tent. It's like we can't stop time Paul, we cannot stop time. Laura's planning on doing five layers in each tiny little cake. And I'm just going, what? Five little layers in each cake. It just sounds like so much, doesn't it? And you're just like crossing your fingers. Is she going to pull it off? Is she going to pull it off? I've done that wrong. Bless Dave. He gives caramel another go. He gives caramel another go. Now, I don't know a lot about making caramel. I've only done it, I think, once in my life um, to make some essential my favourite dessert millionaire's shortbread um but I'm pretty sh- I I don't think you're supposed to use a non-stick pan I'm probably picking that up from a I mean it probably is a non-existent fact but I'm fairly sure I've heard it on the bake-off before where using a non-stick pan is not good for making caramel and he's using like that um that metal pan which I think looks non-stick so um, is it baking 101 or have I completely made that up when Peter starts talking about assembly his station is impeccably neat and then I have a flashback to Laura just pouring chocolate all over the floor and the bench (laughs) but he's like I'm just about to start assembling oh it's so exciting and um it's just so incredibly neat Matt goes over to Armin and he offers to, he's like, oh, if if you're not in the final, should we cancel it? And I just think, what blatant foreshadowing there? Come on, how obvious? Blatant, blatant foreshadowing. Laura starts chopping up her mould with scissors, like the mould that they're using to, you know, set the little cakes in. And I'm thinking, who's who's in charge of the budget here? Who's in charge of the budget? They've got to have a few of these moulds, enough to make the cakes and she's just hacking at it with scissors and then i see loads of other people start following just start hacking at the mold with scissors to try and get the cakes out and i'm thinking jesus christ who signed this off on the budget and then dave tells us later they're nine pounds each have some awareness come on guys it's the final push dave's back out with the pressurized air I Ermine mean, gives up she doesn't want to carry on i've never ever seen her look so defeated oh god honestly it's one of those looks where she's not crying but you can tell that her heart is absolutely breaking and I just feel dreadful for her like how much emotion is coming out on her face but she's you know without tears like it's just absolutely too much she gets the airbrusher out for a final push she has her second wind no pun intended she's got the airbrusher out she's absolutely given it her best um and we like to see that bounce back She's pushing through. She does well. And then Peter tells us he's not far off perfection. And I think, Peter, you're not far off cocky, actually. I just, there's a fine line, isn't there, between being proud of your work and, you know, but I th- I want him to have pride in his work. It wasn't far off perfection. They did look absolutely incredible. You would be seeing them in a patisserie. But, you know, modesty doesn't cost anything. Do know how much each silicone mat costs? How much like nearly nine pounds nine pounds yeah who pays for that and then that final shot is just a puddle of chocolate on the floor like bloody hell laura poor poor laura that poor poor cleaner i think that's new carpet territory that is replacement carpet territory that geez we're at judging dave's look like french fancies which is no problem to me incredibly happy to be snacking on a french fancy especially 16 of them or however they had to make up that cube Peter asks them to try the final one. I think he made three different, you know, three different little versions of the little cakes. And he says, oh, can you try the last one? It's my favourite one. And it makes me think, do they not try every variation? If they did, why would he have to remind them or, you know, kind of encourage them to try the, the third and final one? So a little bit of production insight I wish we could find out I mean there's so much for them to try isn't there that they must be they must just get overwhelmed with the food and it must be so filling that I can understand why if there's you know three different sponges you might only try the two in order to save room and save some taste buds I mean I don't think taste buds are finite but yeah to kind of save it for the next contestant but I just thought it was interesting. Ermine called hers quote marks the best of Ermine because it's obviously all her favorite flavors or all the things that she does really well. um It's like a punch to the gut, isn't it? It's like this is the best of me. It's a mess. Oh god, I feel absolutely terrible. Prue says it's a failure by her standards. Oh, my little heart is breaking for her. And then they're debriefing, and. Um, Noel kind of points out they're talking about the people who are in the bottom and it's Laura and Ermine and and Noel goes Laura has been in this position where she's had to save herself five times with the showstopper you know she's done so poorly in the week up until now and you've really got to rely on the showstopper to save you and Noel by an unusual kind of turn of events is saying yeah Laura's had to do this about five times <laughs> it's, like, it's very astute of you Noel maybe I'd take back some of the crap I talked about you Peter wins star Baker. There is pure joy in Dave's eyes as he finds out he's through to the final um, and we sadly lose. I mean really really gutting, um, really really tough. I think it's a really difficult one because we don't see what the judges really see and we don't taste what the judges really taste so I think sometimes things that look absolutely dreadful to us probably don't look that bad in person and similarly things that look quite good um you know the way that they look on screen probably look absolutely much 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 worse so oh sorry taste much 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 worse so I think making the best version of something it doesn't really mean anything if it's no good if the original idea wasn't all that good my observation on Laura is that she's very much a flapper she's very much a a worrier and you know she gives up early on and then she gets that final push and don't forget the judges don't the judges don't see what we see a lot of the time I know that they're wandering around the tent I know that they're checking in um and I know that they're kind of you know measuring the success of of how everyone's doing but I don't think that they really see that real worry that real anxiety that Laura shows us or at least they don't see it for the entirety of the time so what what the judges don't see like when the judges are given that end product they're completely going by just that end product they're not taking into account our observations of how maybe how messy Laura is or how unorganized it might seem or you know in, specifically in comparison to her means so I think it's really difficult to judge maybe how she comes across as a viewer to what the judges are really experiencing when it comes to trying what she has baked I also think Laura is guilty of a little bit of exaggeration I mean you know this is a nightmare I can't do this I can't do logical things and again the judges aren't really hearing that so we're hearing her doubt herself and then we experience that and we feel that with her therefore we are confused maybe when it doesn't transpire over to judging but Again, that self-doubt doesn't really make a difference in what the judges end up seeing, experiencing and tasting. So I don't know if, you know, her attitude and her self-deprecation really affects maybe how we view it. That being said, Laura has been in that precarious situation that Noel said multiple times. So the idea that you've got someone like her, mean incredibly consistent, um, didn't come bottom in the technical, but obviously did have a challenge in the other two, um, challenges, other two tasks, it does play on your mind, and I think we don't know what goes through the judge's head, as I said earlier, we don't know if it's a point system, we don't know what it is, and that lack of transparency sometimes make it really hard when our faves go, or when people go, um, but I will say that I don't think I mean should have gone, I don't think anyone deserves any kind of hate or bullying, obviously, but if you were to look at their histories and their contributions to the, the show her means is the most consistent and she's also shown a huge amount of growth so i would not i disagree with sending i mean, home alas i'm not Prue. i'm not paul thank god i don't own any ripped jeans and i don't own any costume wooden beaded jewelry so that's me thanks for listening final next week can you believe it um can't wait to see it I'm definitely going to be catching up earlier um in the week as opposed to this weekend I left it till this week I left it till like Friday so I can't wait to catch up and find out who wins it's going to be such an unusual um week with you know it's going to be an unusual final with no one in attendance or you know minimal people crew in attendance so so excited to see how that turns out um all right speak to you and catch up next week